Let's pray together before we open God's word. Father, it is so humbling to stop and consider the gravity of all this and the glory of all this, that the baby in the manger was the great I am, that he was God with us. These things, I really feel, are beyond our ability to fully comprehend and understand. I pray that now as we open your word that you would expand our capacity to take this in, to take in the glory of what you've done through Jesus Christ. Expand our hearts to be able to contain a little bit more of this. And I pray that you would speak to us through your word now. We, we are all ears, we're listening Please give us soft, receptive hearts and ears and eyes to hear and see what you have to communicate to us this morning. Lord, I rely on you fully for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Normally, we would dismiss the children, but since this is a special service, we're inviting the children to stay in here with us. Um, And I want to start with a a quick pop quiz, and you answer to yourself. Don't shout out loud. Um, but without giving it any thought, if you had to just shout it out loud immediately, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when you hear the word Christmas? What's the very first thing? I heard somebody whisper Santa. <laughs> Maybe Santa Claus. Maybe um, gifts. Maybe family. Some specific family members or family stuff going on. Maybe it's uh, Christmas decorations or snow or some tradition of yours or food, which is probably one of your traditions, or maybe it's some sort of grief, or maybe it's nostalgia for your own childhood. Christmas culturally is a big deal to us as Americans, as American Christians especially, and it comes with all sorts of trappings, and most of it is, is really, really good. I personally really enjoy Christmas. I enjoy all of it. The whole spectrum of Christmas, I really enjoy. Now, I have to tell you about the true meaning of Christmas here. And I'll bet you can guess what it is that I'm going to say. If you've been to church on a Christmas service before, you can probably guess. Yes, if you were truly holy, what would first have sprung to mind when I said Christmas would have been Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now, let's not show off. (laughs) Now, for many of you, that probably was the case, Um, and I'm not trying to trick you, but Jesus Christ is the central fact of Christmas. Now, we have to remember Christmas is not something we were ever commanded to celebrate biblically. Biblically, we were told as the church to celebrate the Lord's Supper very regularly to remember Jesus uh, giving his body and blood for us. We were told to um, have baptisms whenever people came into the church. These are things we were told to do. We were never commanded to celebrate Christmas. This is totally optional. You can opt in or out at any time. Uh, But if you're going to celebrate Christmas as a Christian, and, and if you're going to celebrate Jesus Christ, it's important to give some thought to what exactly is significant about Jesus Christ and his birth. 
So of, of all the hoopla, just think about everything that you have done and thought about in preparation for this Christmas already. Some of you men, perhaps it's next to nothing. But some of you women have probably been working very hard in preparation for Christmas. Now think about all that you've been thinking about and doing. Now how much of that actually has to do with the birth of Jesus Christ? And this isn't a guilt trip. I'm just trying to highlight how unique it is that we have a chance to sit here and sit still for a few moments and just together put our heads together with God's word open and think about Jesus' birth and why this is important and what's significant about it. So that's what we're going to do today. That's what we did last Sunday, and that's what we're going to do next Sunday if you'll come back. And we're working through John chapter 17. John chapter 17 contains a prayer that Jesus spoke right before he began the process of going toward the cross, going to the cross to die for our sins. It's a, his prayer. And in his prayer, we get a lot of insight into who he was and why he came and what he was up to, what Christ is all about, and therefore what his birth is all about. So I had big plans. We did verses 1 through 5 last week, and I was going to do verses 6 through 19 this week. And then next week, do verses 20 through 26. And it was all very neat. And it was going to fit in with the the layout of the passage. And I had seven points for my sermon. And they were each very robust and full of detail. And then it occurred to me, this might be a bit much. Maybe I should scale back. The children are going to be in here, and I want them to be able to focus and pay attention. I do also preach to you kids when you're in here. So I hope that you're able to hang with us. So I've scaled back from all those verses to one verse, and I've scaled back from seven points to one point. So I think we can all hang together for one point and one verse, don't you think? Even if you're sleepy? Okay. One verse. It's John chapter 17, verse 1. We'll read it together, and I'll tell you my one point, and then we'll unfold that for a few minutes. This is in the middle of Jesus' prayer. He's talking to his Father. He's talking to God. He says in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, since it's just one verse, let's read it one more time. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were. And you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, my one point from this one verse is that Jesus came to make God knowable. Now, there's many ways to look at why Jesus came, and this is at the core of it. Jesus came to make God knowable. Now, let's look back at this verse, and there's a couple of words we need to understand. The first one being manifest. I have manifested your name. Now, this is sort of a biblical word. I doubt you use it very often. But it basically means to make something visible or known. Something that previously was invisible or intangible. If you manifest it, you make it visible. You make it known and knowable and tangible. So Jesus made God the Father manifest. He made him visible. He made him known and knowable. Now, at our house, we have a cookie jar, and it sits on our kitchen counter, and it's green. It's a green cookie jar in the shape of an owl. 
It's an owl-shaped green cookie jar, and the owl has a red Santa hat on it. And I think in one arm he's holding a candy cane, the other arm he's holding some gifts. Like that's what the design of it is. And inside that cookie jar are what's left of the chocolate chip cookies that my wife made for our family. So now, now you are getting an understanding of the idea of the green owl Christmas cookie jar. Perhaps you can picture it in your mind. Perhaps you kind of would like to partake of the contents. But right now it's just a notion. It's just an idea. Now if I were to walk over here and grab the green owl cookie jar, now I have manifested it. It is now present with you. It's made visible to you. You don't have to imagine it anymore. You see it. It's now made known to you and clear to you. And there are some cookies in here. It would have been great if this was so full of cookies I could have given you each one. That would have really been a good illustration. But you may not have any of the cookies. You can have... You can enjoy the illustration. See, now it is manifest. So what I just did with this cookie jar is somewhat, sort of like what Jesus did with God himself. When Jesus was born, he made God, who can often seem a distant idea or just a vague notion, he made him visible, present, tangible, knowable. Now, we understand what manifest, manifest means. We need to understand what it means that he he manifested God's name. So I have a name. My name is Matt Broadway. Now, when the Bible uses the word name like this, it doesn't just mean your name, your moniker. Name encapsulates you. When it, when it says he manifested God's name, it means he made visible God's character, God's nature, God's personality, God's reputation, God's glory. So it's not just that when he was born, he knew God's secret name and he could tell you and then you could call him by it. It's that he made visible all this fullness of God that that was intangible before. So in essence, what he's saying in his prayer is, I have made you in all your fullness visible and knowable. And that's a really big deal. Now, how exactly did Jesus' birth make God visible and knowable? To understand that, you have to step out of this passage into some other passages. So I have just a few I want to share with you that I think will fill in your understanding of why Jesus' birth was so important. The first one, and these are all all going to be up here, and I have them on my paper, so don't feel like you need to flip around and find them. You might just want to listen to them. The first one is John chapter 1, verses 1 and verse 14. One way that Jesus made God visible and knowable is that he made him relatable. He made him relatable. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. That's referring to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now that is a very significant statement that deserves a lengthy sermon series to unpack. But for now, let's just take this at what it says. In the beginning was the Word, referring to Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then, down in verse 14, it goes on to say, and the Word became flesh, flesh, and dwelt among us. 
the Word who was with God, the Word who was God, became flesh, became human, and lived with us, dwelt with us. Now try to wrap your mind around that for a minute. I've often thought it would be really neat if I could somehow go undercover to my kids' school and sit in their classrooms and them not know it and just sort of see what it's like for them, what they experience in there, how they are in there. Now, I can't do that, obviously. I would stick out. I'm slightly larger than the 7-year-olds and the 10-year-olds in their classes. Now, if I could transform myself into a 7-year-old and into a 10-year-old, and actually enroll in their classes and live with them at school and be with them, then I could start to understand really what it's like to be them. And I could see the world from their perspective. And I would just be one of them. Now, that's an impossibility for me. That's fantasy stuff. But something like that is what God did for us in the incarnation, in Jesus' birth. He came to be one of us. Don't you wish sometimes that like maybe your boss could just come and, and be one of us for a little bit and see what this is like? Or maybe kids wish your parents could just come and be one of you for a little bit and see what it's like. See, God did that in the incarnation. It, it, Jesus' birth made God relatable. The Bible teaches that because God came, took on flesh, became one of us, lived with us, that he can sympathize with our every weakness. He was tempted in every way just like we are. That's amazing. So one way that Jesus makes God knowable and visible is he made him relatable. Another way is that he made him visible. I want to read to you Colossians 1.15 and then Hebrews 1.3. Colossians 1.15 says, in part, he is the image of the invisible God. So when we look at Jesus in the pages of Scripture, we're seeing the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Hebrews 1.3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The radiance of the glory of God. So if God were like the sun, Jesus would be like the warmth and the light. He's the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. So if you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus, and you'll understand what God is like. So Jesus made God relatable and visible. He also made God tangible. 1 John 1.1 says, this is John writing to a, a church, a group of believers, and he's explaining what he's talking about when he's talking about Jesus. And he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus. And he's saying, I'm not writing to you about an idea. He's saying, I'm writing to you about a real man who really lived. I'm writing to you about things that I have seen with my physical eyes. I'm writing to you about things I've heard with my physical ears. I'm writing to you about things I have touched with my physical hands. In Jesus Christ, is God made physically real to us, to humanity. And then lastly, Jesus made God accessible. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Jesus came to make God knowable 
in one sense, displaying God in knowable dimensions, and in another sense, removing the obstacles that stand between us and a direct relational knowledge of God. Now, some of you know the feeling of having wronged someone that you love. And until that wrong is dealt with, until apologies are made and forgiveness is extended, you're separated from them. Even if you're in the same room, it's as if you're separated from each other. Well, all of humanity has been born into this separation from God because of our sin. The Bible teaches that we are all sinners, each and every one of us. And our sin separates us from God. We, he cannot just be with sin. In sending his son, Jesus Christ, who lived the life we failed to live and died the death that we deserve in payment for our sin, he clears all the baggage out of the way so that we no longer have to relate to God as a distant idea, but we now can directly relate to him as sons and daughters if we will receive that forgiveness through Christ. So why do we celebrate Jesus' birth? Why is Christmas really important? What does all this mean? Because we could still walk out of here and this just be an idea that you heard Matt talk about. There's a fact beneath this that I really want to land on. Do you see what great lengths God has gone to so that he could be knowable to you? The fact that's beneath this is that he really wants you to know him. He doesn't just want you to do what he says. He wants you to know him. Like you know your father, your mother, your spouse, your children, your friends, and more so. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to see him. He wants you to tangibly experience him. He wants you to enjoy your access to him that he paid greatly for through Christ. So as Christians, many of you probably feel the same tension that we do. All the marketing and everything says Christmas is about buying, getting stuff, 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 bigger, better decorations, nicer gifts than last year. And we know as Christians that that's not right. So we try to angle it a little bit toward a more wholesome celebration of Christmas. And often what we do is we we say, well, the real meaning of Christmas isn't getting things, it's giving things. And this is good. I'm not saying this is bad at all. But I'm not sure that that is the ultimate meaning of Christmas. I'm not sure that that is the ultimate way to celebrate Christmas is by giving. I think it's great. But it seems to me, based on what we've seen in God's Word this morning, that actually the ultimate, the best, the highest way to celebrate Christmas is by getting to know God. Now, getting to know God will surely make you more generous, and that will flow. But Jesus wasn't born and didn't live for you and die for you to make you nicer. Jesus was born to bring you nearer to God. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Some of you here this morning may be far away from God, and you may feel it. You may feel the distance that spans between you and God. You may feel isolated and alone. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us, nearness to God is as close 
as our own repentance and confession of sin and just receiving the free gift of forgiveness. And all that can be cleared away. He has spanned the great distance. He is here right behind you. All you have to do is turn around. Some of you here this morning may be suffering this Christmas. Family issues, physical health issues, financial issues. Uh, Maybe nothing even that clear. Maybe vague emotional issues that are harder to pinpoint. I want to encourage you and remind you that God's priority for you, as we can see through what Jesus has done, is that you be close to him. And so if you're wondering which way to turn in your situation, I promise you the direction to turn is toward God. Because that's what he's trying to work out in you through this. He's nearness to him, nearness to him. He'll often use very uncomfortable circumstances to draw you near to him. So maybe this Christmas could be one of turning to him in your pain and your suffering. Some of you are growing in your faith like you never have before, and that's great. And I just want to encourage you to continue that. Use this Christmas as an opportunity to lean into that growing relationship with God through Christ. Some of you are parents and grandparents, and I'm with you in this, and I would encourage us to keep knowing God more at the center of our Christmas celebrations this year. Now, that doesn't mean you can't give your children and your grandchildren gifts. It's okay. I'm not going to tell your parents and grandparents that. But I think it does mean that we can reflect this as the ultimate gift, knowledge of God in all of our celebrations. I think it does mean that we can turn our focus from gifts to God in some ways. And it'll take creativity, and we'll each have to think through that on our own, I think. We can try to slow down the hustle and bustle of everything, give ourselves some time and space to enjoy our relationship with God. But the bottom line is Jesus came to make God knowable. We can, because of Jesus, we can know God directly. We can relate to him directly as our father. Let's celebrate that this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for revealing yourself to us through Jesus Christ and making yourself accessible to us through Jesus Christ. We don't deserve that, and we certainly didn't initiate it. And I just ask that you would help us all to receive it this Christmas and rest in it and enjoy it. Lord, let our fears and anxieties melt away by being in your presence. Lord, in our pain and suffering, help us to turn our heads toward you. Lord, in our sin and all the entanglements of the consequences of our sin, Lord, I pray that that Jesus Christ would just cut all that away and that we'd be freed to run toward you, to run toward your open arms. Lord, this Christmas, may the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, be lifted up high in our hearts and in our homes and in our church. And through that, may we all emerge on the other side of Christmas closer to you than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.